A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. So then putting away falsehoods, let, us all, let all of us speak uh, the truth to our neighbors, for we are all members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up their stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of the Lord. Good morning, All Souls Church. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, says the poet. Wonderful are all your works. You know, a healthy human body functions in an amazing, complex way, whether it's cooking or gardening, whether it's hiking or biking. It can reach for a book on a shelf. It can transport itself to meet a friend. Energy in our bodies gets mobilized. Motions are coordinated. And when injury happens, some parts act to heal. Other parts of the body act to compensate. And when enough parts of the body remain strong, its weaknesses matter less. All this requires good communication between parts of the body. The eye directs the feet to walk toward good things and warns the feet to avoid walking into trees or stepping off cliffs. The stomach informs the hand and mouth of the need to take in nourishment and hopefully when to stop. The Christian church, the new humanity that God wants to form in places like this, this little beachhead of God's kingdom, functions as the body of our Lord Jesus in the world today. It also requires good communication among its limbs and organs. So today's reading from Ephesians says, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Members of a body need true communication to maintain vital coordination. We need to know that we meet for liturgy at 11 a.m. on Sundays now, and we'll switch to 4.30 p.m., God willing, in mid-September. We need to know that Father Stephen and Lindsay return from vacation today. We need to know gospel truths about our Creator and our humanity, about what it means to live uprightly and what disobedience looks like and how it harms. We need to know about Jesus and redemption as we heard in our gospel reading this morning. We also need to know about each other if we're going to serve together and serve one another. 
We need to know our gifts and our weaknesses, our hurts and our hopes. Such truths help us function as one body in God's world. But it isn't just members who need the truth. We are also told to speak truth to our neighbors. And Jesus challenged us in one of his best known parables to act like neighbors to whomever we find in our path, even if they are people who are despised by others, especially if they are people in need. That person may not yet identify as a member of Christ's body, but they're still our neighbor, and we hope they will, and we're called to testify to the life that's found in Christ. And so many of the truths that we might share with each other can benefit them too. Now truth-telling is more than just reciting or downloading facts. Jesus told his disciples, I am the way, I am the truth, and truthful people follow him. He lived aware of who was ready to hear his truth. He lived aware of who wasn't ready. He lived aware of who could be trusted with his truth and who couldn't. At the same time, no one who came to him honestly with all their need and brokenness ever found anything in him but true grace and kindness. Our text this morning says, let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. There are people sitting around you this morning that need your nourishing and healing truths, even if it's just to say, the peace of Christ be with you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one who wrestled with what it means to tell the truth when living under hostile authority. No one but God has a claim on all the truth about us, and all the truth about us needs to be viewed as it is in Christ. But we all have truth that others need from us. Generally speaking, the more intimate the relationship you have with someone, or the more they have responsibility for your life, the more truth from you they deserve. We all find vulnerable transparency attractive in others, while we tend to be uncomfortable with it in our own selves. And it's easy to fall into self-deceit, rationalizing what we inappropriately disclose or don't disclose. For example, the hypocrites of Jesus' day who paraded their piety were warned, nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed from the housetops. Kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> it's no wonder that the penitent psalmist confesses, you desire truth in the inward being. That's where it all starts. And he prays, therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. So become the truth, and tell the truth, 
A healthy church body needs both of those things. But what happens when we don't or when we corrupt the purpose of speech to harm rather than bless and give grace to others? I would suggest that what happens is that inflammation takes place in the body. A healthy body needs to manage inflammation. Our bodies may suffer inflammation from a stubbed toe, a sliver in the finger, a viral attack on the upper respiratory system. We feel the heat and the swelling. We try to reduce it by removing the irritant. We treat the infection. We take ibuprofen or aspirin. We alter our diet. And similar agitations will happen to us as members of the body of Christ. That's why our text says, be angry. It's going to happen. It's just a fact. But rather than harboring inflammation and allowing sepsis to take hold, we're told to learn to generate shalom, genuine, full-orb peace and well-being. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sin go down on your anger. We do well to take note and be honest with ourselves about what's annoying us. Denying it might actually promote infection. But we may have only a few hours of critical time to get a salve on it before complications happen. If we don't treat anger rather quickly, we allow the devil a foothold. And he wants to divide us and divert us so we are ineffective in our mission as Christ's body in the world. So how do we salve our wounds? Well, earlier in Ephesians 4, we're told to renew the spirit of our minds. We're called to a renewed imagination. Instead of imagining how I'll get even or how I'll protect myself from that kind of vulnerability in the future, I might imagine the wounded love of Christ displayed on the cross. I might imagine the healing balm of the Holy Spirit applied to my hurts with resurrection healing power. The scriptures tell us that God is our present help in time of trouble. And that means that he heals us in the now. While those words this morning may have stung, while that slight yesterday may have scraped me up a bit, God's loving arms remain wrapped around us at this present time. In him we live and move and have our being. God's goodness in this present moment, right now, matters more than any past injury. It reveals God's kind, self-sacrificial love in taking on our sin and our pain. I would ask you this morning, are you awake to the presence of the living and loving God in your life right now where you sit? We can also ask, will this matter in eternity? I know a church that divided over whether to paint nursery rhyme characters or Bible characters on the wall of its toddler classroom. The church in the U.S. is often divided over race, class, and politics. These things only matter for a brief span of time, not for eternity. Do any of you care today how I voted in 1976? Or what I earned in 1996? 
Followers of Christ need to armor up in his restorative righteousness, take the shield of faith, and withstand these kinds of fiery darts from the evil one. And as the, even, as the inflammation calms, we're less likely to exacerbate the initial wounds which we suffered by harboring bitterness or rage or slander or hate. But it isn't enough not to be overcome with evil. We are called to overcome evil with good. We need to replace vengeful thoughts in our imagination with imagining how we can bless our enemies and persecutors. God can guide us into wise paths for restoring shalom and seeking reconciliation to our neighbor as they're open to it. A healthy body needs healthy communication and healthy ways for managing inflammation. It also needs healthy nutrition and allocation of resources. Every part of the body needs to contribute to the whole, and when one part is weak, the whole body suffers. The thyroid needs iodine, blood needs iron and oxygen, cells need glucose, preferably from complex carbs to manufacture energy supplied from the Krebs cycle. And while sometimes a weak or injured part of the body needs other parts to compensate for it, the ideal is for every part of the body to have a certain amount of functional fitness. God has blessed me with strong legs, and I love to ski. A few years ago, I suffered from crippling pain in one leg. I had weekend warrior syndrome and tried to move seven yards of compost in two days. And pain was being referred down my sciatic nerve. But it turned out that the problem wasn't in my legs so much as it was in my lower back. My transverse abdominal muscles had become weak and idle and my posture needed health. My otherwise healthy leg was paying the price for the weakness of another part of the body. A program of exercise and stretching corrected the problem and I found myself able to ski better than I had in a long time. I'll never forget a promotional video that one of the downtown gospel missions produced a few years ago. One of the staff members at that mission gave testimony to his life on the streets before finding Christ. He said, I used to come to your churches every Sunday while you worshiped. And then he paused and said, I'd prowl through the parking lot and take things from your car. When I heard that, my, heard that, my hand went immediately to my pants pockets, reaching for the remote door lock in my pocket. For a person to come to church for the express purpose of stealing seems so antithetical to the gospel. But in Christ, this thief had his imagination renewed. He learned to receive and give rather than take without asking. Well, churches need solid procedures for handling church resources with accountability. Trustworthy people aren't characterized by greed, we learn in the pastoral epistles. But the greatest values that liturgy has to offer are not found in our cars or even in our offering plates, but in Christ. They are found in his praise, in his advocacy on our behalf, in his words, 
in his body and blood. We bring our offerings as the ancient church brought actual food to the table. We distribute it to those in need following the Eucharistic meal as they did, as well as caring for the presbyter or priest. But just as important, we bring ourselves. We present our bodies a living sacrifice each Lord's Day to connect with him and each other to prepare to serve Christ in his world. From Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Therefore, thieves must give up stealing, rather let them labor and work honestly with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. We can profit from all labor, but manual work seems especially rewarding. Don't be overcome with evil done to you, or that you're tempted to perpetrate, but always overcome evil with good. It always needs to be replaced with something that blesses others and God. And we have tremendous resources for this. We have the empowering personhood of the Holy Spirit our seal until the day of redemption, our guarantee, mark of God's ownership on us. The Spirit inhabits each of us individually in the body of Christ collectively. Both the believer and the church are called temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we keep in step with the Spirit, it isn't just the case that we exhibit fruit like love, joy and peace, as wonderful as that, but it's also the case that the Spirit rejoices too when divisiveness or other selfish habits overcome us, the spirit grieves and mourns. So set your mind on the spirit and we'll all know life and peace. We also have the kindness of God our Father. We are to avoid offense to the spirit and imitate our heavenly Father. He showers kindnesses like sun and rain on the just and unjust alike. Our Heavenly Father has a tender heart that readily forgives. We show we are his children when we live like him. We not only have the Spirit in the Father, we have Christ, the Messiah, Son of God. He paid for our pardon and clothes us with his goodness. He lived in love. He sacrificed himself to redeem us and to display the character of his loving Father and to set us free from our selfishness and sin. Spiritual warfare that Paul talks about at the end of Ephesians involves learning new habits of making peace. The glory of the exalted Christ in the cosmic realm is at stake, Ephesians says, as we practice these things or don't. The examples that Paul gives us in our scripture this morning are simply illustrated of the dynamics of transformation that characterize the corporate lives of the people of God. The church performs faithfully when it cultivates an ongoing dynamic of transformation, identifying destructive practices and patterns and putting them off, renewing our imaginations according to the drama of redemption, and living out communal practices that become faithful performances of the life of Jesus on earth. And God bless you all as we do that. In the name of the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.